Okay, today I'm in the Fitstairs Club in Mayfair. Correct. William Woodhams, <laughs> uh, Chief Executive Officer of Fitstairs. Uh, you are that now, but you've had a distinguished uh, career outside of racing and you specialised in marketing. Can you tell us a bit about your previous? Well, firstly, the most important thing, Simon, is we've been playing a fan dance for two years. <laughs> and I'm so happy that you're here. So yeah. thank you very much. And obviously, I'm a big fan. Uh, yeah, I come from a marketing and strategic background, so advising businesses um, for over 20 years. And my first, actually, my first job was in a nightclub. Uh, so I know the I know the entertainment sector, and then that and that I've done every job that a teenage boy would like to do, other than the obvious ones. But I've sold sold booze, I've sold watches, Formula One cars, uh, fashion brands. Worked for the Victoria on the Victoria's Secret show, only straight man in, <laughs> in the backstage, and all those silly things. But um, it was only natural that I'd end up being a bookie. You mentioned the entertainment business. A lot of people sort of forget that's what bookmaking is. So it's the greatest. It is the greatest entertainment in the world. You get to watch what you love, and sometimes you make a bit of money. I can't believe anyone would think anything other than that. It's the most fantastic business, and I love it. <laughs> so you've gravitated to bookmaking. You've been in the firm what for two years now. I've been two two years. Uh, I start I, our financial year is first of July, so two years, three months. Okay, and you mentioned some of the firms that you work for there. That includes Amazon as well, Tiffany's, uh, Victoria's Secret, um, Pirelli is another one. Oh, Pirelli Calendar, one of the highlights. Are they still allowed? <laughs> uh, no, we, I stopped, well, I didn't. We stopped it being what it was and turned it into what it is. So we did the first all-black Pirelli Calendar, which was a big stepping stone for the business. And we just used, we, we took it away from soft porn and turned it into something a bit more interesting. Okay, now interesting now for you is uh, bookmaking. Now some people here on that CV might think there's a bit of a strange jump, but you've got it in your blood, haven't you? A Raising. bit. First of all, it's not a strange jump at all. I think the bookmaking industry, just to be not controversial straight up, needs a bit of a broom at the moment. I'm not saying I'm the broom. Um, and there's a lot of old timers who are sort of leaving the biz. Now, don't get me wrong, I have full respect for the for the industry leaders, but the 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 the, the tailwinds of compliance and governance and government are changing so this uh, they've been doing the same thing for a long time the big boys and it's about time uh, we're not a big boy but it's about time there's some changes in the industry um, but yes my my family I've are in uh, have been in racing and punting and broadcasting and writing about racing and tipping and training for quite some time right you were kind enough to mark my card so I'm going to tease it out of you form right. line by form line so first right. of all your mum worked for Turf Newspapers. Yes, so she. I think that was doing Armanacs, racing Armanacs, a bit like um, Timeform. Her brother, do you want me to do it? Shall I go, the family tree? Yes, go for it. Her brother um, was head handicapper and guitar, ran the jockey club in Macau before that, and trained for John Fitzgerald. His uncle was John Rickman, who was the ITV, before Ed Chamberlain, the ITV presenter famously in Newcastle once there was a uh, the planes couldn't get up so John Rickman called the race uh, went down to the betting ring did the pre presenting and gave the trophy away and did all five jobs or uh, you wouldn't get that on um, uh, the morning line whatever it is called nowadays he's he was Jim Crack his father was Jim Crack or Jim Crack whichever you call it in the mail or the express whatever it was and their grandfather was Tom Jennings who trained Gladiator. Uh, so he was based in Chantilly, then moved back to Newmarket and Gladiator obviously, oh, 1863, 
I can't remember, but a triple crown winning French horse. Um, they call it the Avenger of Waterloo. So uh, sadly, my family trained for the French. And uh, uh, but if you go to if you go to Longchamp for the Arc, which no one will <laughs> this weekend, um, uh, the statue's there, and uh, and he moved back to he moved back to Newmarket, and actually, I know that he did the drains in Newmarket. So if it smells uh, on the heath, it's his fault. But you tell me that he he built some hospitals. He was a philanthropist, and he built some hospitals. Yeah. So so yeah, he was a farmer trainer. So he wasn't posh broadcasters. And actually, I forgot to say, my mother's father was a pro punter um, and uh, like all pro punters successful and unsuccessful but his one of his highlights was he had a Bentley at one point and he swapped it for one of those water cars in the 60s you know the ones that you could drive into the river that sunk so that that pretty much summarized his betting career I think <laughs> you need to tell us a bit more about him well my grandfather the, the pro uh, the pro punting I mean uh, I, I mean yeah I just think he was he, 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 he you know he was his wife my grandmother's brother was John Rickman and and there was a long lineage in that family of racing. I think he was more of a, he was just more of a man about town punter, a bit of a rogue, I think, and uh, and loved it. I can't remember who his bookie was, um, but um, he probably had a few. But yeah, he uh, highs and lows. But I think probably he called it quits in his fifties and sixties and, and tried something else. Is he somebody you remember, or is it just no, not at all? Uh, he was slightly estranged from him, um, but he left an indelible mark on the family, definitely. And as a boy, were you watching John Rickman? No, I'm t I'm too young. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very happy to and say me. I grew up on I grew up on Morning Line, and actually uh, I knew uh, in my twenties I knew Nick Luck just socially, and so to watch to in my twenties to watch your mate, you know, anchor a TV show was amazing in those days. But I think I mentioned to you earlier, I, my, I caught them, a friend of mine at school. I was at a sort of naval academy, which is a bit of, my father died, so I got sent to a sort of military school. Nothing wrong with that. And, um, and I used to be on the blower to uh, William Hills. I had a William Hills account because one of the other students' father was a submariner. And he was a captain of a, a, a submarine. And he gave me his William Hill card. He said, if I'm underwater, it's your account. And I'll give you 10%. So don't tell anyone. Oh, you told me not to mention the bookies, but you've got to give them a plug. They're about to be sold. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so you had an account with a major firm at 14, <laughs> who, we, who we won't mention. Um, so and it, wasn't, it, away, it, it wasn't your account. So no, you, it wasn't my so account. So you I was, still have Well, it. you shouldn't place a bet on behalf of someone else. <laughs> so, so are you going to go back through the accounts and uh, say, um, actually, I shouldn't have placed those he, bets? He was, no, it was terrible behaviour. And, and you, get, you know, you get, everyone gets the bug a different way. It's the first day racing or... Uh, but for me, it was four. I mean, it used to get the form in every newspaper. So in school, we'd have a copy of the Times and the Sun sitting around. And, and does the colour of the silks would get you interested. And as soon as you understand four to one means it's got a, very, it's got a reasonably good chance of winning, you start, start seeing it in a different way. And he was, and I said to him, I, want to, I, I love betting. And, uh, and he gave me his card. And he just said, crack on and I'll check when, I, when my periscope goes up. I'll check you're not losing me a fortune so you weren't the school bookmaker and a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the lads that went to quite nice schools yeah they like to be the school bookmaker they, i think most of our brokers probably did um but that's a bit st trinian's isn't it <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a bookie in a covert coat at the school uh but yeah no and that's good and then i and then my mum took me racing and i got the bug obviously so i was always even though i did a different career path um i was a member of fitstairs from its inception uh loved it loved the, the idea of less a gentleman's bookmaking, more just really wonderful customer service and events and experiences. So I was a, I was a, I was a good enough punter to go to all the Fitstairs events, 
but not a very good punter as a whole. Right, so you, you actually had your eye on the firm before you joined the firm then? Oh yeah, totally, and I've become friends with Balthazar um, through Fitstairs, and yeah, no, it's a, it, it really, you know, when it launched, Fitstairs was, I mean, head and shoulders, you know, it's the same, head and shoulders above the competition, particularly as when it launched, they launched text betting. And at this point, you, it, was, it was physically, you walked into a bookies or you maybe rang the office. Uh, a call centre, but um, when Fit says launched text betting, it was pretty revolutionary. Unfortunately, they're a little bit slow on the other technology, and we've caught up now. Right, so um, are you still a punter? Not with Fit Stairs, obviously. Not with Fit Stairs. I have, um, uh, I have <laughs> three three accounts, <laughs> and uh, but I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not out to win. I'm a. I'm a bookmaker, not a punter. Know your place, I say, and I think that's an, that's, that's a very important business for Fitstairs and sure our brokers have a punts here and there you know um, but we use our information to as a bookmaker not to place bets so I have a, a dabble up in there I think I am I think I'm a three percent winning client with Sky <laughs> and but they've limited me down quite annoyingly and uh, and I'm definitely losing with Star you know you can confirm oh that. you've got like, you've got an account with Star of course I have for you know for all my political bets so, um, <laughs> you talked about some of your, your brokers would have bets would they they don't really. I mean, they're definitely not. We're very strict. We're we're very strict. We want to. We when I arrived, you know, there was lots of you know, uh, trade clients hedging this and that, and I was like, let's just focus on bookmaking, offer a good price, good service, relook after clients, you know, let them pick, you know, have a, let them pick up the phone and have a, you know, have a tickle on the, you know, move the tick occasionally, keep them sweet. That's what we do. That's our job. We take you, people on. Would you keep live wires on for a mark? Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, c I couldn't say. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're very lucky that we have a lot of industry people bet with us. So we're, we're aware of that information and you use that information as and when it comes about. But really, it's more to protect ourselves rather than to, to hedge or place bets elsewhere. Okay, now you come from uh, what sounds like quite a genteel set of industries, though I suppose they can be a bit cutthroat. But with this, you haven't got a clue. I what, haven't. That's what the I'm fashion, asking. fashion business is. I, I, honestly, the echo chamber of the the bookmaking world, because people there's disgruntled there's disgruntled punters. This, this is, that's what happens. You know, particularly They'll if you lose, or or if, if we're using the T's and C's that they haven't read, and you know, and there's a, there's a certain honour in it, and all of that, and, and no, we're very you know we we will go over and above to keep punters happy. Which we should, because that's you know even winning punters, you know we've got to look after them. Maybe one day they'll lose, or there's there's bad vibes and all of that. But uh, what was the question? <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it I, I assume rightly or wrongly, by the sound of it, wrongly that you come from industries that no, are more genteel. No, sorry. So I was to answer your question is sometimes the echo chamber of Twitter and all this can make it sound very negative. People in race, we're focusing on, because we're looking at lots of pictures of horses and, and what we've got on the 4.45 at Sedgefield on the screen. Um, people in racing are lovely. And some mornings, in general, are lovely. When was the last time you got into a fight on course? Don't answer that. But I mean, apart from kids at Ascot getting drunk, th there's a very good vibe in the racing world. It, one of the warmest, most genuine, you know, people are very forgiving and lovely. However, they talk too much. To themselves and they get angry about stuff and people get vitriolic and sometimes twitter in the morning in the racing world could be quite an unpleasant place and then by by the time the race is off it, it every, everything is settled and i always i always say the best thing about racing is racing 
from that that form you know in this there's a two mile race that you know that four minutes whatever that is heaven no bullshit no arguing no moaning about price no pushing no shoving no arguing no slagging you off no atting you no moaning the race is off it's down to the jockeys and the horses and the trainer and the course and that's the magic moment of racing that is the elixir that we all strive to have and if the horse you bet on finishes or each ways it's way over the line that's heaven and i so i'd argue other industries have just as much bitching and arguing and stress it's just they hide it a bit more <laughs> it's less emotional um so that, yeah that, yeah so i think racing is phenomenal and we're all actually quite nice Contrary to common belief, then the racing isn't the cauldron of uh, bitterness and um, nastiness that we all assume it is compared to other industries. But there are some unique challenges to try to promote it, especially now, especially going forward. Yeah. What, what have you found has been the most challenging aspect of it? It's, I mean, I've been two, two years and a bit. It, I mean, when I arrived, I knew it was going in a direction. I mean, you'd be an idiot not to. I think a lot of people buried their head in the sand and thought, oh, there's so much tax generated, it'll be all right, and this and that. It's going in one way. And, um, and frankly, this come, the, big, the big bookmakers have been doing the same thing for a long time, and they've been, getting, they've been tuning that skill. Technology supercharged the gambling sports book industry and the casino industry. And let's not beat around the bush. The big boys, half their business is casino. My, my business is, is horse racing fundamentally. So it's, um, it's the compliance, 26 million people have downloaded an app and played once or twice a year. That is a very large proportion of the, it's silly, the numbers are silly and that's through the technology and the unrelenting marketing of the bookmaking industry. So if, if the compliance legislation um, is coming down on bookmakers, there's only one person to blame. And it's not problem gamblers, it's bookmakers. And unfortunately, if your business model means you have to have two million active players, there's going to be collateral damage on the edge of that. There's just nothing you can do about it. You're, you're a victim of your own success. It's the same tobacco, you know, there was a tipping point for tobacco. There was a tipping point for cheap alcohol. There will be a tipping point for fatty foods online pornography, I mean, not that I'm classing betting with any of these things, there's, when you become that successful, you know, they were saying like some countries, you know, if you open a bar in another country, as soon as you get to the million pound mark, someone's gonna come and take a piece of your pie, you know, whether it be the local council or another owner of a bar. It's a funny analogy, but it's always gonna be the case. And we're, the Gambling Act is, it's, a, it's, a, it's gonna be reviewed, probably it's a, it's a it's a manifesto pledge. It's going to happen. Let's be realistic about it. I think the BCG and the big boys have already started saying about advertising and some stuff about like slot machines and stuff like that. So they're, they're, they're front footing it, but it's going to be painful. And I spoke to someone really senior and he said bookmakers will be made to eat, insert a, a less polite word for excrement there. And he said they will, and that is what's going to happen. Now, I hope independents, like the small band of independents that you know, and on-course bookmakers, aren't swept up in this legislation and broken under the pressure of whether it be compliance or um, 
legislation. The benefit for the smaller players is that we don't spend 25% of our GGR on marketing. <laughs> so when that gets slashed, but bookmakers will find a new way to communicate with people. Cigarette companies created, you know, i-cigarettes as a new way to communicate to people and they did direct marketing instead of advertising, you know. And John Player special Formula One teams became, I don't know, Marlboro doing mail shots. I don't know. But um, so you've got to pivot as an industry. It would be horrendous if um, betting became just this anodyne, national lottery-esque, small wagering bullshit boredom because it's a part of our national heritage. It's not only part of our national heritage, it's intrinsic to horse racing, intrinsic. It's what powers the fun in horse racing, I think. And the sport was fundamentally created for betting and there is no better sport on the planet to bet on. I was at a conference, I don't stop talking, you've noticed. I was at a conference and this fantastic guy at GVC said, um, he said, oh, you know, we're looking to India, Kabaddi's gonna be the new thing. And I said, don't hold your breath, which I thought was very funny. But let's be honest, Kabaddi, you know, uh, football's a two horse race. So you've had, to, you've, had to, you've had to turbocharge it with Ackers and in-play and throw-ins and the trainer's gonna blow his nose, not trainer, the coach. Racing, bloody eight animals with jockeys on, running on the most picturesque places in the world, priced up off the top of someone's head. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's magic. And so we need to protect it. And so I'll be lobbying, and I hope other bookmakers will be lobbying hard to protect the core elements of bookmaking whilst protecting the people that play it. The onus is on us now to protect people. I'd love to push it onto banks and government and GAMSTOP and the Gambling Commission. The onus is on us to protect people. And my view, getting political, Simon, is that you simply cannot protect five million people. You can protect a couple of thousand. Dare I, dare I dream five to 10,000 people I can look after, but I can't look after millions of people. And that's the challenge, those, the, the amalgamation of these bookmakers. Their technology can keep up with selling you the product. It can't keep up with protecting you from issues that might be there. Okay, you've been quite modest up to now because you actually turned the business around, haven't you? Since you come in, no, 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 no. It's it was heading in. The, it was hopefully heading in the right direction. <laughs> but, the, but the casino side of it, you've you've sort of made up market. Yeah, well, we were very anti. Well, we didn't want. Um, I'm going to be right honest because this is a, a platform for punters and people. We weren't keen on slot machines. We thought they were. Uh, um, we we were. Th we thought that they were a. Uh, I hate to say it, but like a fobty in your pocket. Um, so we've been very. Uh, we've been really, we added slots because a third party provider said we had to, in a sense, um, because it's if you want to play in the market. And the engage, so the engagement, oh, sorry, the playing on slots has been tiny. Our players love live games direct from Latvia or Estonia. And um, they've, they've absolutely relished live games, particularly, you know, exactly blackjack and the games you'd expect in casino games. So we have grown that part of the business because we have a tech platform. Um, but our core business, by far, is UK and Irish horse racing. Okay, you've you've been you're quite uh, you've got your own sort of niche when it comes to advertising and ideas. You've, you're big on um, hospitality, that sort of thing. Do do you, do you have like a team that comes up with a brain after a brainstorming session, or do you wake up screaming Eureka and I've you thought of doing? It's a bit, it's a it, do you know what it's a bit some I'm a bit because I come from a marketing background. I tend to have an idea and I ram it down their throats. But um, we're doing some TV stuff later in the year, and that was all out of lockdown. Um, I went for the, my only run of my life. <laughs> I had about nine ideas. I should do it more often. Uh, but, um, but no, we've got a really good team, and 
our, um, our marketing content team are great because they're constantly, you know, uh, they, you know, we've got, they're now on the phone daily to John Motson, Jeffrey Boycott, Stuart Barnes, we just signed for rugby, which is fantastic. Cornelius Lysert, um, George Ellett we use from Five Live, Nat Coombs from Channel 4's American Football Show and Channel 5. And so we, our content team now talk to these people all the time, very similar to your business and this, and, and we just always trying to drive ideas off that. But fundamentally, all the best ideas have come from our broking team, which is the core of our business, because they are punters, if you will, and they know they come from that, they come from that world, and they're looking at the other products, and what can we do to be better? I mean, and talking about being better, you've branded yourselves really upmarket. I mean, if you open an account with Fitstairs, last time I looked, you got money off a suit made in Savile Row. Which, yeah. Which is obviously you're, you're marketing uh, at a certain person. You're a well-dressed so, man, Simon. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, let's, yeah. We're, on a sh we're not, I think before we were a kind of closed door members club, like uh, by invitation only. The door is definitely opened. Um, we can't, you can't, I mean, it says us sitting in a members club that we founded, but um, I don't, we're not snooty. And if you come to one of our events, it's, it's a, a cross section of punters and all that with one thing, which is they love sport. And so I think we got away from being too closed up and we've just opened the church a little bit more to, to people that want to have fun. But it's, it, it, honestly, it's it, the customer we ask for is a person who digs customer experience if they love being looked after on the phone or an app that gets them to horse racing in three clicks in the UK or they want to watch racing on our app or or call the office or live chat the office and have a blab with the guys at the phones we're there for them and the added extension of that has always been our events which are really good and and we were discussing earlier we we're over the day of just piling everyone to Cheltenham pile them into a sweaty box hoping they have a nice day um, for us now, it's come to the Fitstairs Club and watch the arc from a table. Have we've got a French chef doing an amazing oyster champagne and steak and chips, and watching the racing in Paris because you can't go. So what? What? How can we make sport experience better? And I won't. And this is definitely not a dig at arena or jockey club who work very hard. And and I love the independent race course in the UK, but most entertaining around sport is bang average in my opinion. I mean, absolutely, if you want a pint and a pie, that's great. But if you want that elevated experience, most of it's pretty average. And I think that's what we've, our marketing has been about, how can we make sport more? And it's not just about claret and oysters. It's about just that whole experience is funner and more entertaining. So you can actually focus on the racing or the football. Okay, but, but being realistic, we also know <laughs> that certain elements could come along and ruin that day for So are you a bit like Royal Ascot? You still manage to keep the, in inverted commas, riffraff out? No, uh, what do you mean? Are we fussy about our clientele? Well, would you want, you wouldn't want to a group of lads to get drunk on uh, champagne and start singing Here We Go after well, the race? I mean, I've seen, I mean, as long as, it's, as long as you're having a good day. We've never had a, to be fair, our, our members are pretty um, well behaved at events. And it's wonderful, unless they, unless they have a winner, and unless they're an owner and they have a winner, and then that can go a bit wild. But I think we, we're, we're bookies, you know? We like, a bit, we like it a bit wild, or we wouldn't be doing this job. Um, but yeah, no, we're not, we're not snooty. We just like good wine. <laughs> All right, well, in the iPhone, even my, in my lowbrow way of working on a, a bookmaker's pitch on course, it's very tricky. You, really, you get to really like your regular punters, 
But on the other hand, you know that they're not very good. You want them to come a bet with you, and it's all a bit. Diff- you really don't want to see them lose, even though they have to for your livelihood. Yeah. So, is is the balance and mix of finding clients as you have to tricky? Uh, you know, you know that you both after each other's money, and is the is the contradiction difficult to get round? Not at all. <laughs> you want to have you want to bet. You enjoy sport. You want to have good service. Hello. Sorry, that's annoying. But um, uh, I think I know what you mean. Like, and don't don't uh, don't say it's low brow on you know on the rails because that's where that's where book, bookmaking starts. I'm the end of the process, and uh, you know we we have some heritage in that, but really not much at all. And that, um, but it's a it's a it's a fun relationship and and joust. And I don't uh, there's. They should. They know. They. We're lucky because our our punters are a bit more experienced and, and tend to be a little bit older. Uh, two rules you learn bookmaking: don't judge a book by its cover, and as you well know, particularly rails, the the person that looks like they're going to spend the least money inevitably does, and the person in the flash suit is the five pound punter. And we, we can even <laughs> you can even put class <laughs> definitions on that sometimes that we've discovered. But um, but yeah, I I, I don't. Th- I think it's a it's a social contract. You. They're coming to you because they love sport and they love a punt, and we, and within a month you know you know what they're like. You know they're you know occasionally you will have a punter who's who's losing consistently for a year, and then suddenly something happens, and we, you know we've seen it a million times, and then suddenly you see the reverse of that. So you take you take it as you will, and you know and um, you judge you judge you judge you don't judge a person by their appearance, you judge them by their behaviour. And you've mentioned. Uh previous before we started doing this you wanted um, to make a change from bookmaking firms that work around algorithms that sort of thing so is your policy different when it comes to punters that habitually win uh, I feel like okay I mean if they're well I, 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 they can't smash me every day of the week forever sorry I mean they can if it's a fiver they can't if it's 50 grand a day you know what I mean forever and ever and ever and ever and I'm not, it's just a conversation. You have to pick up the phone to them. You just go, listen to you. And inevitably, you always, the person that comes and, and takes you for a lot of money, you've heard how they've lost massively to another bookmaker. It's this sort of, <laughs> sort of stories that sort of circle around people. But for, I mean, fundamentally, I, I haven't closed um, an account in two years. We've closed accounts. I personally haven't closed an account. I have limited the amount they can win. And I will tell the client, if they're a higher staking client, I will tell them that we're doing that because it's going to take us 10 years to win that money back. And it's going to take you two months to take me for another you know, X amount of money. So there's, there's, there's limitations of that. And it's just it's responsible of us. It's, what, it's when the computer just stops, maxes you out. That's annoying. You need a human. So that's the benefit of the brokers and the traders who speak to them. And the functionality that we're launching next week, he says doing his one plug, but this is coming out in a few months, um, is we, we now do, if people are getting maxed out on bets, uh, a, a broker chat will pop up and the broker will have a discussion with you. Because sometimes computer says no isn't correct. And it might be some liability setting on the system that's incorrect and stuff like that. So the personal touch for me is the answer to everything. But um, no, I'm not. I'm not here to have someone take me for millions and millions and millions of pounds. But I'm not suddenly going to pull the plug on them. We're going to discuss it.
Okay, and you're ultimately the sharp end of the business when it comes to those decisions. I'm. Um, I'm not. No, I think that our trading, our trading and broking team, our brokers are fundamentally the balls. The the, the buck stops with them, and and they are, for want of a better word, empowered to make those decisions on the phone. No one gets called back. Someone will tell you on on the phone whether they can take a bet or not. Ninety ninety nine percent of the time. However. Um, if we're racking up big liabilities on the day, I'll get a telephone call. And would you have names that you'd be wary of when they even try to open an account? Or there's get three, get a there's three, three people, isn't there, that you don't... <laughs> three people that you don't open an account to, which is God, the Queen, and someone across the channel, <laughs> the Irish channel. And, um, and that's because um, that's because the Queen knows more than you do. <laughs> and it's also interesting that you call, well, they're brokers on your firm, not traders. Or do you have traders as well as a broker? Yeah, I mean, they're a trading team, but, yeah. but fundamentally the, the, people answer, the people answering your chat on the app are making, tra making trading decisions for the business. And obviously we've got a third party provider in FSB who have a trading team there as well. So we will use their prices on the app but we can override whenever we want um, in the office. So, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're up for a chat. We're, you know, we're up for, um, we dare to ask, we like to say, go on, how, you know, if you're, if you're not happy with our price, don't shop around on OddsChecker, have a word. And, we'll, and, and, and the response you'll get is relative to the business, your business, and that's not losing, it's the loyalty you've shown us. Okay, so that's interesting. The phones will be red hot now, won't they? People begging prices. Well, I, don't, I mean, yeah, as long as, they, <laughs> as long as they, I mean, there's a lot of people that are just eking out value constantly, constantly, and it's and it does feel a bit like you take sucking the fun out of punting. But um, but yeah, that's what we're here for. We we I think we opened the business saying never knowingly undersold, you know, and it's and and unfortunately. Here's the truth of it: um, it's uh, some well, a large bookmaker it drives the market price, and he's made it, um, you know, zero margin on a lot of racing. And actually, we have seen um, margin increases slightly over lockdown because we were doubling, so we were doubling our contribution to the data for the race courses. So we're paying very large checks to race courses during lockdown, and so I I saw some of the bigger players trying to eke a bit more money back. And that knock-on effect benefits us for market prices. So, uh, and BPG costs us a lot, a huge, we have one client, we worked out BPG was costing us half a million pounds a year. BPG so, is? I mean, that's the stuff like that. that. So that's something that a bookies on the corner will give you up to five quid. <laughs> it's not the same for us. Do you know what I mean, for certain clients. Yeah, what, what is BPG? Uh, best price, go, uh, bog. Oh, sorry, bog. bog, bog, got you. Yeah. Sorry, there's a few. Uh, um, <laughs> Acronyms, but I'm just saying. I mean, there's sometimes people are looking. People go, "Oh, why don't you give me the price Sky's giving?" I'll go, "How much are you getting on there?" <laughs> you know, and it's no offense to Sky, they're a great bookmaker. I mean, brilliant, particularly on football. But like, you can get 15 quid on. I'm offering you 1,500 quid, and you're moaning about the price. You know, and so so it's getting that balance right. And I'm not knocking anyone because actually, the vast majority of our punters. Pay on time are very polite, get on really well with our lads, even tip them at Christmas and enjoy the experience and just enjoy betting. And that's what it should be. There shouldn't be arguments on the phone. It's meant to be a, a pastime. Are there um, any aspirations to branch out on course or betting shops? Um, well, this for a start is not a betting shop. <laughs> this is a, a really lovely, I think it's the best place to watch racing in the world. And uh, No, not really. I think I, we're, a, we're a private office bookmaker. We, we, we've always loved speaking to our clients on the phone and I think we just love a day at the races to be about enjoying the sport 
and maybe if they had a ticker on the app that's fine but you know that's what it's about for us so I do more of these though the clubs because I think they're fun okay now you, this is interesting because it's a big investment and you, you you seem to spend a lot of money on these big investments so just looking down through you have the biggest box in Goodwood history you have the clubhouse at Wentworth and of course this club in Mayfair um, is that, is that something you are you asking if I'm on drugs or <laughs> is it something you enjoy you know if you sort of got a half an eye on the well, entertainment you could, you could spend to have a to have an ad in the racing post a whole and we take adverts in the racing post we take them for special occasions like well when the crowds were back, were back at your uh, were back at Goodwood and then we, we did an advert and then they pulled it so we had to change the advert with a day's notice. So we love it and we love the post. But an ad in the a page in the post daily for a year is going to cost you half a million pounds. I'd rather spend that. I'd rather spend that on on uh, you know people coming to Wentworth and playing around a golf, you know, and enjoying it or having rewarding their loyalty or we send our members a newspaper and offers and stuff like that. So I think it's it's I think. I think traditional advertising, to a certain extent, is just throwing money in a hole. And I'd rather see, um, I'd rather eat more value out of it for the experience of our members. And it's not, I'd imagine it'd be quite difficult to get tangible returns from what you've done. But do you just see that as the business grows, you assume that those that big entertainment things? Have I worked? think if you, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of setting realistic KPIs, as they call it. But in reality, the brands, the if you're constantly so the algorithmic bookmaker is always looking for their return on investment from their digital marketing spend or their TV spend I'm like it's about the brand you know Mercedes don't spend all their money on tactical digital adverts trying to encourage people who've just had a kid to buy a baby seat they talk about Mercedes or you know Coca-Cola is talks about love and goodwill this is this is how you build brands. You don't build brands by saying five pound booster, you know, or you know BPG up to the value of two pounds or you know what I mean. And you know, but yeah, it's all it's not brand loyalty. It's it's marketing to the lowest common denominator or bonus abusers or people who are just hard work. And 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 so that's going to sound like to to pro punter. I'm just after losers. I'm not at all. I'm after people I want to play with. Who enjoy the sport and love it and love betting and I think as I said right at the beginning the bookmaking industry has been its own worst enemy because it's been supercharged by technology and marketing and brand and TV and sponsorship and actually it needs to chill the out and just relax and provide a fantastic betting service to customers and a good price and say yes and not and not spend all your money on marketing so you're turning away 20, 20 50 100 pound punters who are constantly getting maxed out with average pricing so it's there's a bit of a balance sometimes I think if you're spending am I going on too long tell me if you're spending 25 30 40 percent of your gross, gross GGR which is your gross gambling revenue that's the money you make after you've paid out um, your losses 20 what are you doing that that's not returning that value to either a shareholder or a customer that's just a, a rolling acquisition business model where you're just pummeling people into a funnel if they're they're probably they're probably making money in horse racing because you're running at a zero margin, but then you're going to bamboozle them with casino adverts or get them playing ackers on football, which have never won ever. Do you know what I mean? And and so it's really a cycle that's not very positive. And I'd like to break that cycle. And yes, my first step is having a nice box at Goodwood. But the real point is 
let's let's talk about bookmaking, the old values of bookmaking and personal service and knowing your bookie and enjoying the experience and less about and constant offers and rubbish and marketing and brand, uh, not brand, marketing, marketing, marketing. So I think we need to get out of that negative cycle, which is why we're in a bit of a pickle at the moment and the government are gonna come smashing down on us. Now you're obviously incredibly passionate once we've started to roll. Oh, there. sorry, yeah. Um, Anything outside of racing that tickles your fancy? To, Nothing makes me as passionate as that. Oh, I'm a bit. I'm a. I'm a Gloucester. A Gloucester rugby fan. Um, love. Uh, love rugby. Uh, international rugby, obviously, because I'm a posh boy, and um, uh, I love I love all sport. But um, I don't have any weird or wonderful hobbies. Actually, I've started reviewing restaurants' puddings because it's really been. I just don't think there's anyone doing it well at the moment. <laughs> but um, I think um, I, I come I come from the luxury business, so I like I like setting up this members club over two floors in the heart of Mayfair um, with, a, with a fantastic, you haven't eaten yet, uh, fantastic restaurant as well. And uh, doing this has been really exciting because no one's ever done this before, really to the same extent. You have sports bars in Vegas and Moscow, but they're not the same. And we wanted to create a really nice environment. So this, which we did through lockdown, has been both a labour of love, but hugely rewarding for the team and everyone involved. And now our brokers and team and members come here and get pissed and have a good time. And finally, oh God! And finally, um, right, bookmaking's you now. We can tell that. We can tell that you are absolutely absorbed in the bookmaking. But is there going to be a moment where you sort of look around and think, oh, my work here is done, and move on to another industry and well, change that around? I, I think it is. You're going to you're going to have to accept it. It's an it's an entertainment. It is an entertainment industry, and that's what I like. So I love. Um, I, I love. I love. When we talk about luxury, which is perhaps a bit of a wanky word, but Betting is the epitome of, I think I said it right at the beginning, you, you can, you're watching your favourite thing in the world and sometimes you make money out of it. I mean, it's like being a gigolo. I mean, it's just a joy. And, um, you know, and drinking lots of whiskey is only going to head in one direction, you know, but, but responsible gambling is one of the greatest uh, pastimes ever. And, and so that's the stuff I love, which is, uh, the kind of entertainment, um, the higher end entertainment uh, experience uh, sector. So that I'm always going to be in this business because why wouldn't you do something you enjoy? On that note, William Williams, thank you very much. Thank you, Simon. Look out for our regular money back offers, including Pipped in the Post on selected horse racing and Saved by the 90s for all Premier League and televised championship matches. BeGambleAware.org, over 18 only.